These are Extra Breaths, coming to you straight from the lungs of Nick. In episode 3 of Straight From The Lungs, Nick spoke about what it took to become the first person with cystic fibrosis to reach the top of Mount Everest. Here's more from him. I dislike things like running, but I run very regularly. And I dislike it because every time I do it, I really push myself. And part of that is because I find that it helps clear my lungs. And so actually, you know, running can be as as good for me for clearing my lungs as as physio. But I do it fairly intensively. I think as a kid and as an adult, exercise has been hugely beneficial to me in terms of keeping my lungs clear because it just makes you cough. It makes you cough up the stuff that's in in your lungs. And so that was always very helpful. And the reason I was into that was because my parents pushed me for that and also because I lived in the middle of nowhere. So there were literally, you know, a couple of houses (laughs) where I lived. So no village, no town no real entertainment so the only stuff you could do was outdoor stuff so uh, I was lucky but I think sport has also helped me hugely so every holiday that I do involves sport of of some kind I don't know whether this is intentional or accidental but I remember when I was 13 I was put into hospital with three types of pneumonia I had two or three months of school I can't remember how much I remember my Christmas present at the time was a mountain bike for my parents so it wasn't let's wrap him up in cotton wool and keep him safe it was let's get him out there exercise exercising more than before so I think things like that helped a lot I kind of see exercise as part of the routine I have to do from a a medical perspective you know it also helps keep your mind clear and that sort of thing too I was trying to put myself under as much pressure as I felt I could physically take. I would exercise four times a week. I knew how tough it was going to be and I just wanted to put myself under as much pressure as possible. I had other issues as well which would happen. The first year I tried, you know, I was worried I wouldn't get on the plane because uh, I might pull a muscle or something. I had a muscle that kept popping out and uh, I had to use a quadruple compression bandage to, to keep it in place at one point. But it's about figuring out your own limits. You want to push yourself but you don't want to break yourself. I mean, I knew what I was getting myself into, but it it is fairly horrendous. And You know, the first year I attempted it, I was thinking, oh, well, it's only for one year. So, you know, I can laze around on my sofa and watch Breaking Bad or whatever when I get back. And I enjoy doing that as much as anyone. I never expected to have to do that over three years. By anyone's standards, it's pretty horrendous exercise regime. People hit limits on mountains in terms of their physical endurance, or they might hit a limit because the altitude becomes too much for them. And if I hit a limit from one of those factors, then actually I would have stopped, and I would have turned around, and that would have been fine. I felt like I hadn't had a good chance at it. The first two years that I was there, no one got to the top from that side of the mountain. And so all I wanted was one good chance to see whether you know I, I could do that or not. I mean, they're terrible disasters to happen, but also very unlucky as well. And, and the mountain didn't become more dangerous as a result. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to go back and, and have another go. But it was good. The team got smaller every year, as you'd expect. <laughs> I knew most of the people on the team, and we had a good crack at the mountain. We got to acclimatise pretty early. We moved up and down the mountain fairly well, which you need to do to acclimatise. So you go up the mountain, you leave some kit, you come down, you go up, you go down. And you do all that so that your body produces more red blood cells, essentially, which help because that helps compensate for the lack of oxygen by pushing what oxygen there is around at that level to your muscles, which essentially need the oxygen to breathe. But for the first time ever this year, I had no cough, because I'd had colds and coughs and things on previous expeditions. So yeah, I felt in really good shape. It all felt good. Weather was good. We made great progress.
For the third attempt, it took six to seven weeks from start to finish, from setting off to getting home. The attempt actually on the mountain took about uh, probably about seven days in total. In, in terms of when you are fully acclimatised and, and you've left kit on the mountain, it took six or seven days from that point to get to the top and back down again. We tend to do a camp each day and, and then it takes a couple of days back. We made very good time. Some people on the mountain only summited a couple of weeks later because we got lucky with the weather. There was a bit of a storm on the last day and at one point we were going to turn around again, which wasn't particularly good news to me, but I understood it and was prepared to do that. But in my head I was thinking, wow, am I going to have to come back a fourth time? <laughs> the build-up to it was really difficult because we climbed up to Camp 4, which is at 7,900 metres, so the start of the death zone. And you get there, say, early afternoon, 2 or 3, and then we aim to set off at 9 o'clock that night. You'd get the afternoon to rest, essentially. When we were due to set off at around 9, a storm started to close in, and so we delayed it for an hour and a half before setting off. And when we did set off, not only did we have high winds, but we had fresh snow, which made it a lot more tiring. We had to pick out our own route, essentially. And we climbed throughout the night. We had, I think, one break of about five or ten minutes. It would have been after about four or five hours. And then we climbed on for another four or five hours before we reached something called the South Summit. And then it started to look like a scene out of the film Everest because the visibility started to go. Because even though it had been night, we'd had good visibility with our torches. And uh, at that point, our leader said we should turn around. So we were prepared to turn around. And we found a place to shelter. And we sheltered there for about 15 minutes before actually the, the storm stopped getting worse and the skies got clearer so there were still really high winds but it got clearer and so we thought okay let's not maybe go down let's let's carry on up which was a relief from my point of view because every time you climb that high on a mountain it wastes muscle and I wasn't sure if we'd had to go back down either to camp four or to base camp whether I'd have had the strength to come back up because your body can't take in enough calories and it eats muscle so I carried on up with a Sherpa friend and then halfway up from that point to the top my oxygen went which uh, was not particularly <laughs> brilliant news. To use a technical term, we bashed the tubing around a bit and, and got it working, thankfully, and, and then we carried on. And when I reached the top, I was climbing up towards it, and I was thinking, well, I'm not sure if that is the top, because there's somewhere called the Hillary Step, which is a piece of rock you have to climb over. And we never saw it. And the reason that we never saw it, that it snowed so much, you couldn't see it. So uh, we literally walked over it as opposed to climbed over it. And so I was thinking, is it a fake summit or is it not? And at the same time, you're aware there's a big overhang of snow into the Tibet side, and you're trying to watch your step and make sure you don't go into that. And there are no ropes at the top, and so myself and my Shiver friend Pem roped each other together so that if the strong wind that was there became a massive gust, there's more weight to, to try and keep us from being blown into Tibet essentially. You know, I was the first person with CF to climb Everest, uh, but I mean, I'd actually done other firsts before that. It's just that I never told anyone. And there's things like Mira Peak, there's things like Cho Yu. There are basically in the, a number of mountains that I did, which I just didn't talk about or look into from a CF perspective because I had no interest in doing that. The reason that we talked about that was just because it's something that the media pick up on. And my only rule with journalists is that they have to mention the charity side. So when I'm doing these things I'm looking at okay well what potential hooks are there which might get media interest and generally if there's media interest they're quite happy to put links to the charity and so it's, it's an angle that I try and think of when I can. 
Well, I've raised around 100,000 for the CF Trust, most of that directly through the page and, and also through some other things where I help other people. And so now I'm trying to figure out how I raise more. <laughs> you set yourself aims in life and then when you achieve them, you kind of think about, okay, well, what can I do next? And I, I mean, I get asked to do a reasonable number of talks and speeches and things which are enjoyable because I bring quite a, a dark sense of humour to it. They help raise money for other people's initiatives for CF, which is, is good. But again, it comes down to the awareness point as well and one of my aims is to try and break into more corporate speaking so that I can try and get corporates to give some money it's quite challenging because there are so many charities out there and I think CF has a difficult challenge on its hands compared to the very well funded and resourced charities for things like cancer for example as one of the you know very clear beneficiaries from a drugs point of view I think it's just so important that we keep pushing Treatment is episode 3 of Straight From The Lungs, which you can listen to at our website, lungspodcast.co.uk.